0: Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is an integrative health coach, strategic health consultant, and marketeer with over seven years of experience working in the healthcare sector. During her time working in healthcare, she realized there was a huge lack in the way our general health and mental well-being was promoted. And after going through her own journey with transforming her mental health, she wanted to use that experience in addition to all her years working in healthcare to help other people and organizations. As a result, back in 2018, along with her two co-founders, Helen and Leanne, safe space dxb was born what initially started as a social initiative has now transformed into a successful business leading the charge in bringing awareness to mental health in the working environment and providing organizations with the tools and knowledge to kickstart their transformations during this episode we discuss her career experience working in healthcare. she shares with us her experience struggling with mental health and her own journey of transformation and we talk about the importance of rebranding mental health in order to attract and support a much larger audience through her experience, she learned that in order to start making real-world change, it is crucial to start using the correct language when discussing mental health. She has always believed that making a clear distinction between mental illness and mental health is necessary in order to make a greater impact. And the last message she wanted to share is to not look at life as a runway, but rather break it down into small, simple steps while having compassion for yourself along the way. Please welcome to the show, the co-founder of Safe Space DXP, the amazing Miss Dani Hakim.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Thank
0: you for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Uh, So Danny, me and you connected actually I think a few months ago through LinkedIn and we've been in touch back and forth. And actually your co-founder Helen was was supposed to come on the show, but she's not feeling well. So I thank you for, you know, (laughs) taking your place instead. Uh, And I've been following Safe Space for quite a while now. I got put onto it a few months ago by a friend of mine and they're like, check it out because it's the mental health space. And it's something that I'm quite passionate about as well. So I'm like, I'd love to speak to you. I love the work that you guys do. And I think it's so needed right now, especially given everything that's gone on. But before we get into everything, Danny, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there.
1: Cool. So my name is Danny Hakim, uh, one of the co-founders, one of the three co-founders of Safe Space. And in a past life, I was a healthcare marketing consultant. So we have set up Safe Space to provide a more pre- preventive and proactive solution within the mental health spectrum. And that's very much using um, the power of marketing, the lens of marketing, which is all about engaging with people, helping people find something a little bit more digestible and easy to kind of get along with and applying that to mental health because it's very, it's a big, very, it's a very big, scary topic. Yeah. It's something that's very clinical and owned by, you know, the clinics and psychiatry and medication and, you know, all these kind of big scary mental illnesses that people shut down to they don't open up in conversation to because they're they're put in this kind of scary category so really we want to look at the whole spectrum of mental health so even mental wellness
0: yeah
1: um and there's that sort of statistic that a lot of people use that one in four of us will struggle with our mental health what about the other three in the four we all have mental health yeah It's all available to all of us. It's just as present as physical health. What are we doing to maintain it? What are we doing to understand it and engage with it? And hopefully through doing that, we believe that we'll be able to prevent a lot of, you know, worries from escalating into mental illness where possible. So working quite closely with clinics and clinicians, mental health professionals, experts, coaches, therapists, counselors to bring together this platform. Of content for people to interact with
0: yeah and i think you mentioned a very good point about you know the one and four but what about the other three because people use that statistic and you forget that mental health is i think a lot of people have a perception of mental health is like something quite traumatic but also tr- the concept of trauma is very subjective any little thing can be considered a trauma too it doesn't have to be such a mm-hmm. huge traumatic experience so i totally i totally agree with that point you said something interesting because i listened to actually your podcast with mimi who i've also had on the podcast so and she's she's amazing speaking about empathy and so on and you said something on the podcast which i thought was interesting that advertising misses the mark when promoting health now i was thinking i'm like that's actually quite true Mm -hmm. so the question i have is why do you think that is and given everything now that's happened this year specifically how do you think that's changed
1: so health is a trillion million billion dollar industry i don't know the figures there's a lot of cash that's out there companies that are profiting from um sowing the seeds of doubt into people that they're not healthy enough or they're not fast enough or they're not thin enough or they're not good enough or they're not this enough in order to be able to give them a solution their product yeah so i think we've kind of got really in a position where because we started with like the physical health revolution first and now we have this really hardcore media instigated view of what health looks like. And now we're kind of moving into more of a mental health. So people are kind of like waking up. People are becoming more mm. aware of, you know, their body as a holistic being. Yeah. Everything's just jarring and mismatching. So I've, I've been, let's say, both disillusioned and inspired by that kind of progression of... What health is because I think again, not just mental health, but health is a very subjective term. It means different things to different people. Of course. People can look at me and think that I'm not healthy because I live in a larger body, but I do things differently to how the next. We're all unique, we're all very different. Yeah. You know, and I think because we have this perception of what health looks like, it's very difficult to see that dimension of what health actually is. Yeah. I have truckloads of healthy coping mechanisms. I, you know, treat my body with respect and I'm kind and I'm compassionate. And to me, that's what health looks like. But actually on the outside, that people can't really see that depth, you know? So I think we have lost our way a little bit. Um, Again, coming from a healthcare background, working very closely with clinics, hospitals, um, you know, big pharma groups, trying to really understand... What is at the core of this? Does, do people really in these businesses want people to be healthier? Do they truly believe that what they're doing is rolling up to make people healthier? These use those speech, <laughs> speech quotes around for healthier sure. because it's subjective and it's yeah. different for us all. So I think the whole transformation that we're on at the moment where we're looking at mental health and what you know this is going to be the decade of mental health 2020 really set us up for um for sure the catalyst <laughs> threw us in at the deep end without an oxygen mask and i think it's really just bringing it back to self-awareness so it's not about health anymore it's just about being in our own world not even our own bodies but our own world and figuring out what that looks like and knowing ourselves yeah because i think we're quite far in a lot of times from where that sort of core is at at the moment
0: yeah and I think uh, I totally agree with that actually I think there's still a lot of work to do but now the conversation I think is in like it's very out there like a lot of people talk about mental health it's not um it's not as what's the what's the word like airy fairy as it used to be there's actually now like companies and there's actually people in that space that are actually doing good work to promote that and that actually moves on well to my next question so we all talk about breaking the stigma behind mental health it's everyone calls it a stigma and i've spoken to many people on the podcast about this and one of the people i had ali who actually you guys actually spoke to as well was talking about how breaking bringing self-awareness and breaking the stigma is great but how do we now translate that into actionable change what he was saying is to start putting in programs in like schools and you know in businesses especially like in schools because if you've grown up with like, training or awareness about mental health and, like, your emotions and how you think. Later on, if you extrapolate that, people are going to be more aware, like, the next generation and so on. But what do you think, in your opinion, are the steps that we need to start taking to actually make that change instead of just making awareness?
1: Yeah, I think we, we don't really like talking about the stigma because I think it gives it more air time than it needs. Yeah. I think... Um, I was talking about this the other day and I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but the the cultural differences that obviously we expect, experience here in the region a little bit different to the rest of the world we have to be mindful of where they came from we have to be mindful of where we got how have we got to where we're at now where there are still people in society that believe mental health is a myth or yeah, that it's a yeah, curse or that sure. it's and um, whatever it, whatever whatever that <laughs> train of thought is and but i think in order to be able to you know a lot of the language we use against you like let's you know tackle stigma or fight stigma or break stigma you're going at it with the same negative force whereas actually if you you know if if that thing was like a, a small vulnerable child you would want to go at them with open arms and you would want to learn about their history and hear stories of where they came from in order to then be able to sow seeds in order to be able to make that transformation and action happen so I believe that action can happen in lots of different formats and has to happen in lots of different formats because again humans are unique and we're all on a different journey and we're all on a different path and from a different culture and a level of understanding of what that means so if we came at it with one solution it wouldn't be enough Yeah, and that's why it's so important that people like Ali, messages like Mimi's, uh, the work that Lorna's doing and that we're doing, like it's all important because everybody needs that safe space everybody needs that little community that they can Hear that person's message or that perspective, listen to it, hear it, have space held for them that they can go and interact with it and then start their own journey. But really it's for like people like us to sow the seeds. We can't drag people 100%. to the to the finish line. Yeah. You know, we can we can put it out there and allow that sort of message to blossom but people have to be ready to transform. You can't make them transform. 100%. So I think that having lots of initiatives at, at every level are, is important. I think that um, and great that governments are starting to get behind this. Yeah, yeah. I think one area challenge that we do have in the region is around funding, especially for sort of grassroots initiatives like this in the rest of the world. Um, these areas are kind of prioritized as almost like budget items and it's happening it is happening that more is becoming available um and even from like a business perspective i think more organizations we're seeing specifically because that's our area is that they're realizing that it's good for business governments should realize it's good for society families should realize it's good for cohesiveness and connectivity so once people are aware of the benefits then hopefully we can get a few more people on the train.
0: Yeah, and I, think, and I think you made a very good point that you need a lot of voices, and a lot of different voices because, like even from the people you mentioned, like Ali might say something that someone might resonate with that's maybe from the same background or so mm-hmm. on, and me might say something that someone else would resonate with. So you need the more people that are putting that message out there, the bigger the audience that you can bring in, and hopefully from that, that's when the change can like, start to happen. Yeah. And, I had um, Dr. Salehad, who's the founder of Lighthouse, on the show as well. And she said something that always stuck with me because I didn't expect her to say it. She was like, I don't like the term mental health. I'm like, okay. I was surprised. I'm like, because mental health is that buzzword that we all use and so on. She's like, I like to look at it as mental hygiene. Mm -hmm. She's like, think of it like this. Like when you think of personal hygiene, what do you do every day? You have a shower, you brush your teeth. It's the daily work you do to take care of yourself physically. So she's like, you have to look at mental Hygiene or mental health mm-hmm. in the same way because I think when you shift it from mental health to mental hygiene, your perception of it changes mm-hmm. because it's a lot more relatable to you that because you do personal hygiene every day. What do you think about that? Do you think that it holds true, or what would you say?
1: Yeah, for sure, and obviously, Duxley high is the queen yeah. <laughs> of yeah. this yeah. In, in this you know in this space. So yeah, for sure. You know, and I'm I'm totally on that chain of thought because. We think about, you know, and I've said this before, like we care about our dental health more than we care about our mental health. You know, we're going to go to the dentist for our six month checkup without even thinking or considering that that's a weird thing to do. We brush our teeth every single day, most times twice a day (laughs) because it's, you know, been drilled into us from a young age. So um, I'm all for throwing out terminology that doesn't work for moving people closer to, uh, you know, a more conscious society, Yeah. Um, and, and we've we've talked about this from safe space perspective again from the, um, our marketing lenses. What we're trying to do is rebrand mental health. So whether it is through terminology, labels, the visuals, the content, the word, like everything that you see surrounded in this space, however people can in- interact with it and engage with it is you know is better for us. For sure. So if that term works you know it's, it's good to help people to understand and you know i think there's there's going to be so many different ways to approach it i think it's just bringing it down to a level that helps people to First of all, first step: see the difference between mental illness and mental health. Yeah, because yeah. that term is used as a catch-all, and that's really dangerous because that isn't sort of a true representation. So, yeah, whatever we can do to, to mix up this terminology to switch even one person on to a daily practice, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you made a very good point that you have to really bring it down. And and I think that's a crucial distinction between mental illness and mental health because when someone Typically, says you're struggling with mental health. The general, i say, the general population would be like, "Oh, that's a mental illness. There's something wrong with them." But that's not true. Like if you suffer from anxiety, just anxiety, which is something I th- every human—it's a normal human emotion that we all experience at different times. Yeah. And what I've learned in my experience, with my own experience with uh, mental health, and speaking to a lot of other people, is that. Anyone who enters this field has their own unique experience. There's a reason you went through something and you made a transformation, and you're the person you are now, and you want to share that message with everyone because you know a lot of people probably are feeling the same way. Now, I know with in your case that you mentioned that you you struggled with depression and anxiety for a lot of part of your life, and also postnatal depression. And what I like to do when I'm having this conversation, just ask people, how what was that experience like? Because Ali went through something. Ali told me he went through depression, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to understand from him. What was going on in your head? What were the thoughts? Because I think that is what a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. You know, to say like, oh, I suffered with that is great. But what were you actually feeling during that time?
1: I'm not going to swear because I'm going to keep it PC. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> it's your show. It you can do whatever really,
1: you want. It felt really crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it, it's I can, I can look back and laugh now. But, you know, at the time, just feeling literally like you were you know watching everybody around you and like they were in this kind of like disneyland um and you were literally clinging on for dear life inside but not being able to say it out loud because that wouldn't have been acceptable or you wouldn't you wouldn't know how people would receive you or you'd not been seen to be that person so you didn't want to become that person and i think it was just i think the one word is exhausting like yeah. having to pretend that you're okay having to You know, on a not even a daily basis, like an hourly basis, like bring everything, every element of energy you have to just get through without crying or without shouting at someone or without feeling the feelings. Yeah, to push those down, it's it takes so much strength. Yeah, and I didn't see it like that at the time. I just saw it as. What was wrong with why? What's wrong with me? Why I don't deserve this? I'm a good person. What have I done to like make this happen? Why won't it go away? There was just so much like questions and confusions, really. And I think the only way I kind of got to a certain point was just accepting that this is me. Like this, this is just my personality.
0: Okay.
1: Um, which in a way was 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 a step forward. I think it it allowed me to just um just kind of get on with things a little bit but not really address them. So I've always lived um I live with chronic pain, so I had a, a problem with my back when I was when I was quite young, um, multiple operations, which has kind of left me still in a lot of pain. Mm. So having to deal with that um was like a real catalyst for all of this because I was just always so um annoyed that nobody could really understand what, what pain you were going I through. was in. Yeah. I wanted a scar across my face. I wanted half my arm to be missing so people could see, see me and feel, yeah. feel sorry for me. Like, give me the leeway, you know, not tell me to hurry up when I couldn't move fast or like give me a little bit of, of space of compassion. Yeah. And, you know, that was like a really strange thing to kind of have to deal with. Um and I think, because of that, I have always lived in a sort of mode of depression again, that why me type type conversation, but also then having to have like a really high functioning level of anxiety to get me through you know mm. so my anxiety on the out on the outside is my kind of relentless nature for getting things right and you know not stopping until we've you know ticked every box and um you know people pleasing and all these other things that that are just so you think they're again part of who you are and but they're just coping mechanisms so it wasn't really until I had my first baby and I I did struggle with postnatal depression but it was at that point it was like the straw that broke the camel's back so I was in a meeting with a really big senior client and she gave me some bad feedback And I broke down. You know, I just couldn't handle. That was that was the that was it. That was too too much at that point. So it was very it was very apparent at that point that I couldn't keep in what was going on. Yeah. You know, to cry in a client meeting as an account director, as a senior leader in like the organization was just like career suicide at that point because it was like, how are you ever going to come back from this? Yeah. And then there was comments of you're not the person we hired. Like you've changed. You know. Mm but in essence it was those comments that led me to getting help because i was like i'm going to lose my job and i can't lose my job because now i've got to pay f- for children i'm going to have course. school fees and yeah, yeah. you know and um it was it was a good <laughs> a good thing in a way because it did force me to kind of reach out and get help but it was just sad that i had to get to that point and allow mm. this you know, i started struggling when i was 17 so like from 17 to 33 um, it's a long time to struggle. It's 16 years, yeah. It's a long time. It's a lot
0: of built up stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think now I can kind of see everything a little bit more clearly. Um, I do I do my mental hygiene, I've got loads of, um, I've got better coping me- mechanisms now than I've ever had. I've got a support network around me who I communicate with, who I understand. And now the cherry on the cake, me being able to use my, my path, my journey, my story, yeah. And actually now being the perfect person to do what I'm doing, you know, with my background, but also with my journey to have true empathy for how bad it can get. I don't want people to get there. And that's why we play in the space that we do. It's just not it's not someone, somewhere that I want people to go.
0: Yeah. And first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. Because I think that those hearing those stories are what people relate to the most. You know, how did you actually feel? How was that experience for you? And at that point, you went out and you got help. So was it um, like psychotherapy or was it just what, what were the kind of things that you did? So I worked
1: with a coach. Okay. Um, and that was, again, looking back at it, you know, through sort of critical eyes, because I still didn't feel that I was at the point that needed Psychotherapy or a okay. psychiatrist or a psychologist i've sure. been on antidepressant medication when I was eighteen. I hated the way that it made me feel um, it didn't fix my problems, which I never gave it the chance and I also wasn't treated holistically and given talk therapy Every, to exactly. go with it yeah um, but it was it it was just the way the most like socially acceptable way that I felt that mm. I could start this process yeah so I chose someone. And kind of again the universe kind of threw us together who essentially on the outset had this um, the marketing that she was doing where it would have made me a better a better more executive coaching was was even in in her spectrum um but it would, would have made me a better person in those senses not i'm here to to solve your mental health challenges yeah so that's kind of why i felt that i could Start oh, there. Okay. Okay. Um, I only actually had therapy for the first time in July this year.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Which
1: is quite ironic, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm running a mental health initiative because I I have developed this tolerance, <laughs> not resilience, but tolerance for just getting getting through. And yeah. it's now only you know throughout the lockdown and actually really wanting to go a lot deeper into sort of some of the, some of the um the the ways i've coped and trying to kind of get to the root of those so now i'm like an open book i'll, I'll try anything and <laughs> try anything and everything um because i see how it's going to make me give me the ability to be there for my friends family um, and essentially for safe space yeah
0: no no that's true and on the therapy part so this was the first year that you went this was the first year i actually went to therapy this year too for Maverick. the first time <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you and i went to uh, lighthouse so that's how i you know found out about like all this kind of stuff yeah. um i've been thinking about it for uh, a couple years but it was n- i never reached the point that i'm like okay now i really need it and this year i think like many people and it sounds like you too i just reached the point i'm like okay i don't I've read the books, I've, you know, watched the talks, I've done my, like, I have the awareness, but that doesn't change anything. And for me, it was an amazing experience. It was, it really helped like bring, I don't think it cleared everything, but it definitely removed a lot of the blocks that were there before and changed my perception on a lot of things. So how, how, I did four sessions and for me, I felt I got to a point, I'm like, okay, that's enough. How many sessions have you done? How, How has that experience been for you now being able to actually just voice all these things that you've been like using to just cope instead
1: yeah so I um, I've had weekly sessions okay um, from I think it was like July onwards like every single week because I um, and it's funny the, the how I actually got to that that session is again through my back pain so and I was really I've been doing a lot of reading around like the mind-body connection mm. and realizing that a lot of my pain is held tension from again, um, holding in my emotions, not having my emotional sure. needs met as a child yeah. and literally not being able to allow my body to heal. Yeah. So throughout that process, the book that I'd read, I randomly found a psychotherapist based in the UK who had worked with, um, uh, this, this doctor, Dr. John Sano, who had read this book, and then, you know, the, the rest is history, as they sure. say. I got in touch with her, and really, to work on how I could not have this back pain. So keeping it very, very top yeah, level. Yeah. The one thing that I felt has been the root cause of all my struggles you know, spoiler alert, turns out wasn't. It's actually the, emotion, the emotional <laughs> stuff, you know, the traumatic things that have happened, you know, throughout my life that I've not dealt with and that I've kind of suppressed. So I probably need to be in therapy for the rest of my life, but I enjoy the relief that it gives me on that weekly basis now. Yeah. So some, sometimes I do feel like, Oh, I don't have anything to talk to her today, and she always asks me that question, "How are you today?" And sometimes she's like, sort of like quite pensive. She's like waiting for like a, a, a big explosion from yeah. me, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I've been, I've been okay this week," yeah, yeah. And, you know. And then okay, there's a little bit of probing, and there'll always be something that I've learned from that week or something that for I've sure. been through that week. That yeah caused me to feel XYZ and how I dealt with it at that time or what it's made me realize so it's been a, a journey of realization that there's been you know there's an opportunity for me to you know as much of this as possible in order to be able to really deal with deep-rooted stuff that I've just kind of just yeah we all, just kept yeah. <laughs> kept under wraps for a long long time
0: yeah no I I, I resonated out a lot like when I had my first session I have I was never, I've been, I'm quite an open person, so going to a therapy session, I think sometimes, you know, they have to like pry out the knowledge from you. I came and I'm like, this is everything that's going on. And like, I just spoke, but I must say it was very, um re- uh, what's the word? Like, I guess it was a relief to speak to someone that I didn't know, which was, I thought was great. And so there's no judgment behind it. And it's, we're tackling an issue, not like me as a person, just like the issue behind that. So I thought it really helped me. And because of that, I actually, uh, last six months, I'm now certified as a hypnotherapist because I'm like, that helped me. So I'm like, I want to do the same for like other people. Um, And when you were talking about the mind body connection, what I learned in hypnotherapy, it's blown my mind on how much (laughs) that connection is. Like, I've read books about it, like The Body Keeps the Score and so on. So I understand it is there. But going through that course and learning, you're like, wow, there's so much more behind this than like you ever think. And like, that, that was, that's why when you're talking about it was the back pain, but. And then you're like, it was actually the emotions. I'm like, yeah, I, know. I, I figured it would be because that's, that was what I learned as well. Yeah. Um, so you guys said with Safe Space, you said something on uh, Mimi's podcast, and you said, which I resonated with because I think about it in the same – I was relating it to, like, my therapy stuff. You're like, I work, we want to work with people who, like, share our vision or, like, share our, our message. And we don't, like – our job is not to, like, convince other people. And I think that's the same applies to hypnotherapy because I think with hypnotherapy in particular – There's a stigma around it. People like, oh, I'm hypnotized. I'm gonna like bark like a dog and stuff. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't blame you for thinking that way because that's how I used to think as well. So, working with people that share your vision, I get and I can see that would be like an easy conversation, and the benefits are a lot more receptive and clear. But the question then becomes, if we want to grow, if we want to start growing this awareness and growing that, we have eventually we're gonna have to start convincing those people that we don't want to convince. So, what do you think? We need to start doing, to start dragging those people in or to start being like, guys, by the way, you should yeah. just take a look at this.
1: So I think we can't drag people. I think we we'll would probably get arrested for that. <laughs> so I'm going to like, um, there's Not something that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think there's like something that, um, I don't know, it's like what my mum always told me about boys. And she was just like, always make them think it was their idea in the first place so ah, negotiation tactics nice yeah so i think um what we're doing at safe space is really kind of making it as attractive as possible Yeah. so like when we in the good old days and we used to have our meetup group at tanya's tea house like couldn't there be a more lovely place on the planet to talk about our emotions than tanya's tea house it's pink and it's wonderful and it's you know these amazing photos on the wall like we want to Put mental health in places where people don't expect them to be um, okay. we want to kind of make it a party that everyone just wants to turn up and be on the guest list for anyway so I think it's about making our product as good as possible sure. in order for, 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 for those stragglers let's say the people that are on the outskirts to hear literally through that word of mouth through that oh I went to this session the other day kind of blew my mind wasn't expecting it this happened I learned this oh my gosh that's really interesting hmm. you know and let that ruminate a little bit but I think part of our strategy is um, and completely you know intentional when we started working with um, businesses is That's where we can kind of prey on the unexpected. Because (laughs) people go to work and they're just assuming that their boss has their best interests at heart. And then Safe Space pops up with a wonderful interactive session, now a virtual session. And they'll almost kind of like bamboozle them a little bit. They're in the session, whether, you know, so I kind of joke and jest, It's, it's not done in that way. But in a sense, that when we're at that work in that different culture, it's not necessarily just something that was our idea in the first place. Yeah. So this is why we're working with businesses, HR leaders, people, people who want to be able to make sure that their business is, you know, thriving. And part of that, as as, as different as we can kind of split, is mental health is good for business. If you yeah. have a, an, a workforce that feel more fulfilled, they're going to be more um, creative, more innovative, more productive, benefit, benefit, benefits. too many to mention, um, so by having s- s- sessions that we, um, again, that sort of mystery of mental health, we're not going in there talking to them about depression, anxiety, and stress. Sure. We're going in there talking to them about stuff they do every day, like sleep, yeah, um, like relationships, like self-esteem and self-confidence. And again, package it in a way like, oh, I could do it with more self-confidence. Mm. So this is how we're going to give it to you. So if we address those areas of people's life that are a little bit out of balance or they want to be better in, that essentially will roll up to better mental health. So again, it's the sneaky yeah, the yeah. sneaky back route yeah. um, of trying to kind of get this message across because we don't necessarily want everybody to, um, you know, get on board with with this topic or I don't necessarily think that everybody has to get into therapy. But I think... We do need to sleep better and we do need to eat better and we need to have confidence and self-esteem and better relationships and better communication. And then organically, you know, we'll heal the world. But that's our kind of starting place. Yeah,
0: and I think you guys are doing a really great job in using using the right topics when you go into those conversations like you correctly said just now it's not about talking about depression and anxiety you want to talk about something that when i go to work every day what am i feeling that stress i have a deadline or the pressure from my boss or like oh my i'm upset with my colleague whatever or whatever it might be and i think what you guys are doing addressing those topics makes it a lot more relatable and on some level i think everyone faces it Mm -hmm. but sometimes you're not aware of it and bringing that, I guess, to the forefront to make one person in that, you know, in, in those workshops be like, oh, actually, I do feel that stress and oh, that's why it's affecting me. You know, it's it's a ripple effect. And like you said, you want it to grow organically. And I know you guys like to use um, data, like actual data, because you said mental health is good for business, which it is. Yeah. But is my question to you is how effective has using the data been? Because because I I look at it on like, let's say we have a guy who's a company who's like 50% there, 50% convinced about mental health. Does, in your experience, has the data been enough to like push them over when you show them actual like numbers or is it there's still a, Like another step that we need to take after showing you that number.
1: Yeah, we, you know, everybody, um, you know, from a statistics perspective, from a data perspective, the more the merrier. So if you've got case studies coming out your ears, if you've got stats based on, you know, populations of thousands of people, um, you know, case studies, like businesses that are the same as theirs, people will obviously a lot more easy, easier easily buy into this so there's not enough and we're kind of working on that also from like a research perspective there's still not enough um research that's regionally like based there's lots of kind of that's um, true, yeah. there's a really important study that deloitte did on the return on investment um organizations are investing in mental health but it's all based on organizations in the uk and then the studies lots of studies based on the us so when it comes to here We need to give people as little get out of, you know, get out clauses as possible. Say, oh, well, that's in the UK, that's not us. Mm, You know, that's the US, that doesn't represent us. And we need to be conducting that research here to be able to say, this is what's happening. This is um, our plan of action, our methodology. These are the results. You're going to be one of those results too. Would you like to get involved? So we do at this point in time. And, and actually, the other thing is everything's changed. You know, so even if we did have research, you know, what we what I'm looking for now to put like storytelling together is research that has been released in the past. You know, weeks. Yeah, that yeah. Puts into consideration a ridiculously traumatic event that everybody's just experienced for a ridiculously long amount of time. So you know, we we don't have we don't have the numbers. So sometimes we require a little bit of faith. And I think it is... And this was, like, along the like-minded people. I don't want to waste my time convincing people that this is the right thing to do. People people need to come come a little bit closer to us and understand for whatever reason even if it's it is just financial bottom line reasons or you know their competitors doing it so they want to do it too or you know the the reputation of the company through their employees eyes is terrible so they want to give them something to do okay let's start there let's start there guys but the key thing is that whatever we're doing is not a band-aid this is a long-term strategy. This yeah. is a slow burner. This is not going to be a magic one that we wave overnight. So come with realistic expectations as well. Have the vision. Do your research. And then you know, it, it is going to be those more forward thinking leaders that are going to be the ones that implement this in their organizations. Yeah. And that's the people that we want to play with for now. And we show that it works, we get more data, we prove it and more people can kind of come and join the party.
0: Yeah, it's so like, yeah, it's like a building block effect. And what you said about like having, <clears throat> do you think, I think the point you mentioned that we need data about here, I think that's very important because I don't think there is data available about that. You would know more. That's your space. There's yeah, but it's not something specific. But I know you guys actually do surveys, right? Or like assessments that you like send out to companies. So is there anything from the data that you guys have gathered or the feedback that kind of surprised you? Or is there an area that like people seem to be a lot more drawn towards?
1: Um, it's not surprising, I suppose. Like really the the key to our order is to measure the psychological safety within teams so we're talking about is there trust is there communication is there uh, you know can you be vulnerable can you talk about your mental health just for us to understand the lay of the land Mm. sometimes it will kind of come up in those situations where you know as much as the the you know the manager who sits on his kind of throne believes that everybody trusts you know there's been a there's been a break of trust even if it's between hr and and the employees once in a blue you know many moons ago and people can't get over that but Sometimes it's not even what's happened in that organisation. It's where the people have been in the past, and I think because like turnover is a lot higher than it used to be, our generation we move around because we're searching for you know the dream job. Um, <laughs> and even if we've worked at a company down the road where our HR manager screwed us over, we come into our new job
0: potentially with that. Bag- with that, with of-
1: that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's difficult for us to really just you know look at one organization as a little island because there's lots of stuff that's kind of happening um around that so like some of the key indicators that we've we kind of put in there but didn't realize how powerful it will be is reputation so one of the questions in our audit is how positively do you speak about your work your colleagues and your management outside of work um and you know we all gossip we all have a little bit of, <laughs> of course, a you yeah. know a rant now and then to get it <laughs> off our chest but i think that is is something from a managerial perspective where it really kind of transforms i think even these sort of things that you would think would be actually more higher up on their pecking order of like trust and communication if people speaking badly about it it hits the core somewhere different mm. where they're like oh right okay yeah we need to address this because this is not good you know for businesses is not what my aspirations were for being you know a company owner yeah um and then i think the other the other key thing is about how like the honesty around mental health um we ask a question um if you took days off um due to your mental health or you've been unproductive due to your mental health were you transparent about the reason with your with your like line manager and even like some companies that do have like mental health policies like mental health days in place still have people that can't be truthful about it and again i think that's not the island of the organization it's the island it's the, it's the, the world b- island that we live on yeah, yeah That people still um you know are in a place where they you know it would be easy to say i've got a migraine then you know the wheels are falling off and i just need a day to get myself back together so i think what we've been through recently um has really personified that because at the moment nobody wants to be the weakest link there's so much uncertainty in you know jobs that if somebody says actually I'm struggling with stress and anxiety or I've been having therapy or I'm you know I'm on medication now and they really don't have full trust in the process that that's not going to go against them As being a weak link because we still have this underlying concept that somebody who is stressed anxious you know medicated you know in therapy is not as functioning as somebody else yeah when you know i can challenge that i'm you know i'm in therapy not i'm medicated with supplements but you know i am going to be a better employee than anybody who's denying themselves that kind of facts in order to be able to just show up at their job yeah so it needs that bit of imagination i think from an open-mindedness from employers to really be able to again go a little bit deeper and further with that and get the right people for the job
0: that's i think that's so many good points there (laughs) uh first of all something i never considered and i've been reflecting on on it myself as we've been speaking is the baggage that you carry and that is something that i know i have but i've never thought of it in that way Uh, Like, for example, like the corporate world for me is I had, you know, an experience there and I said after that, I'm like, I I never need to be there again. You know, (laughs) I'd rather work in a startup for the rest of my life if I have to. Um, But I never I never thought of it in that way until just now that, oh, this is baggage I'm carrying. I thought now this is just a perception I have. I never looked at it as baggage. So that's really interesting. And I think the point you mentioned about not looking at it, you can't look at it as an island. You have to really look at the bigger picture in order to understand what's happening on that island. There's a lot more that goes into all oh, this. Just this company that's doing this or whatever, and one thing you said, which I think is priceless, is reputation. You ha- like I can I don't know how many people I could speak to honestly that I could look at it and kind of be like, yeah, that's you know that's good. Whether you're working there or have left, not I don't think many people can say that, and that's a shame mm. because again, we spend, I don't know, most of, most of our lives at work. I don't know what the, the statistic is, but I know it's a lot yeah. <laughs> of our time at work anyway. So if you're in that environment, you're not feeling too good, like all these things are playing into it. It's, it's, it's just not a good way to like I can go about it yourself or for the business. Yeah. And I know, so Safe Space, you guys have been going now for two years about? Yeah. Two years. And what I love what you guys said um, It's not training. It's life changing. I'm like, that's the best marketing phrase I've ever heard. It's fantastic. (laughs) And you also mentioned on Mimi's podcast that what your mission is to take something mystical and make it something practical, you know, to demystify all this like the airy fairy stuff around mental health. Yeah. So I'm curious from when you started Safe Space, you probably had a perception about mental health Mm -hmm. and now unlike in business and and personally, and now here we are two years later. Personally, you've gone to therapy, you have a new perception of mental health, but also in a business perspective, what has been the biggest learning for you? Or what, has, what is something that has completely, your perception has completely changed from when you started to where you are right now?
1: So Safe Space started as a community initiative. We weren't a business. We never had aspirations of being a business or a social enterprise. Um, we weren't about generating revenue. We were just about helping people. It was a noble cause. And. Um, brought together people who had, you know, walked that walk, um, bringing together professionals that could talk the talk, and just creating this ecosystem that worked. So everything that we did is uh, completely free of charge in the community. People would attend for free. Gorgeous Tanya at Tanya's Tea House would give the space for free. The professionals would give their time for free, and it just worked. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I think my beliefs were everything had to be face-to-face, you know because it's emotions humans we have to be able to like you know be in each other's like be in yeah, each other's yeah. space um and that i think one of the beliefs were that what we were doing had to be like i said this like noble cause that we had to just bring people who were very passionate and and make it happen i think what we found out sort of Throughout that process is, and this again, it was our mindset and people that sur- surrounding us to help us kind of shift that mindset is you can only help a very limited amount of people by doing things that way and that you have to approach this and you know as you know an entrepreneurial, let's say in order to be able to have that impact and I think you know we'd not really had our eyes fully open to the concept of social impact or social enterprise and what that meant and how you know you can actually do a lot with very little when you kind of bring everything together and resources but put together a product or a package that you can sell you can generate revenue through with the right target audience so hence why we moved from having our just our community meetup group to them helping businesses and providing sort of solutions for businesses because what does that do it helps us to keep the work that we do in the community free and it helps us to do even more of the work in the community so it's always our why It's, it has changed, but it's, it's at the core of everything we do. So we work with organizations to keep doing more of this stuff and that's essentially our new ecosystem and the more organizations we can work with, the bigger projects, the bigger brands we can partner with, insurers that we can partner with, you know. We are open to partnership with anybody yeah. in that sense anyone in order goes. for us to be able to pay it forward and put it back into the hands of the people that do need it, that don't work for an organization that's forward thinking, who aren't covered by insurance um, in that sense and will be able to get this information for anyone else. Anyone else that's just, you know, overwhelmed with information and, you know, there's so much that's out there on Google. But if we can help simplify that journey for a few more people, then... You know our work here is done
0: yeah i think you made a good point that the you realize with the community meetups that they're great but you're not going to be able to help as many people as you potentially could if you like you know grew this to like online and stuff which this year i think has blown out the water yeah. and i like how you guys look at the work you use the work you do to keep that the essence of why this all started going i think that's a really powerful thing and i think it sticks to the why like you said the why of why did this all start you know we just want to help people and whatever whatever they're struggling with their mental health if they can't get it at work we're giving them a place to do that so i'm curious how has i guess the community grown in that time how like what what has changed is it you know i know it's probably a lot bigger than it was when you guys started so just walk us through like how that community has grown
1: yeah so um I, I think there's still people that are angry at the moment that we aren't meeting up face-to-face again. And we and that's never say never. We, we will go back um, to face-to-face meetups and supplement that as well when the timing's right. So obviously being called Safe Space, um, you know, and when, while we're still wearing masks or while <laughs> we're still kind of like sat two metres away from us, it makes like the dimension just a little bit kind of different. So once that's kind of out of the way, then that's definitely back on the card. So I think the people that are following us now um you know still some die hard like hardcore community members that have like come on this full journey with us and and really you know for us it isn't about the quantity you know it's about the quality so if we um we i talked about this the other day like really just going back through our database and looking at people um who've signed up and even if you know we sold we did a campaign and and only half of those people opted in again. We want to be able to have a quality message for where we're up to right now in order to be able to interact with those people and again, I suppose that goes back to the marketing zone exactly, you know yeah. so it's not it's not about number of followers and all those things for us It's about us being able to have quality interactions with the people that do. Do follow us, um, and kind of whether it's that in a business sense, we're not going to be for everybody, like we mentioned at the beginning. So if we can be there for the, the people that need it, then yeah. that's yeah, that's what work
0: Yeah, wanting. no, that's no, that makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, you you want to help the people that genuinely like want that help. You know, you can I guess you can spread the message as much as you want, but. Really helping the people who support you and who are champions of what you guys do in your community, I think, is much more valuable to you. And again, it goes back to the why, why you guys started all this. Mm-hmm. And I know, Danny, you're an integrative health coach, right? And a strategic health consultant. So I was thinking, how has that played into the work you do? Because I'm sure, like, and again, it's mental health, but I'm sure that experience has definitely helped. Uh, helped you in the work you do now and I also know you guys have a team of experts around you know from Hypnotherapists to coaches and so on. So how does bringing all of that I guess knowledge helped you guys in the work you've been doing?
1: Yeah, so the um, I I fell into the healthcare industry completely by accident and completely against my will okay. So the agency <laughs> okay. that I was working okay. at the time I just had least number of projects um so when we got the opportunity to work with Pfizer at the time, I was just too slow to hide under the desk and <laughs> the project landed on my my table and I was really against it. It was like, not aligned with my values. I was just like, this is going to be really quite boring and so regulated and from a marketing perspective, I'm not gonna have to do anything. There's no digital happening. And, you know, over the sort of six years that I worked um, on healthcare projects, I slowly realized that sometimes you've got to get, you know, completely the opposite of what you wanted to really sort of find out how you can make an impact on a a whole industry that has a lot of problems and a lot of challenges. So it wasn't my plan at all. And as I slowly got more and more into it and kind of um, seeing things, again, face value, good things and bad things, it just gave me more fuel more passion that, that something had to change in this space. So I've always been quite passionate about demystifying health. Your know, yeah. mental health is a chunk of that. Um and that's essentially when I trained to become um health coach because and it wasn't necessarily to become a coach, like on a one to one basis. I'm a marketeer, I do one to many stuff, but I wanted to know this different space that wasn't again um medical doctor yeah. health it was a different sort of version of health and i'd been health i I worked with a health coach myself and similar to you it was just like wow i want to know what these people know um and i studied for a year and a half and i got my qualification and it's a very um holistic approach and in essence it's at the foundation of what we do now is safe space so like i was talking about the sleep nutrition um, you know, self esteem, self confidence, um, all those relationships, all those areas of life. We talk about that in the health coach sort of world too. So, knowing again that that sort of bio individuality that we have is again something that I brought through for my health coaching and has allowed me now with that mental health journey of my own, background in marketing, working in the healthcare industry, plus the health coach equals safe space safe or my role within what sure. safe space looks like yeah um and that's kind of what i bring to the to the table in that sense you know combined with you know helen's creativity in the end sort of like epic ability of sort of putting the brand and the projects together that's sort of what brings it together. you can't do anything on your own so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we sure. need, need some friends to help you out along the way 100%
0: <laughs> but uh like you said i think Given like those four areas that you mentioned, like as a health coach, your own uh, mental health journey, working in the healthcare sector, like all that really gives you like a good base to be doing the work that you've been doing because you understand you, you you understand that industry not mm-hmm. just from a mental health perspective but from a health perspective. So I also worked in my last job in the health sector, and I didn't plan for it either. But uh, I was in sales, so I was selling like a platform for companies to do uh, med- uh, clinical trials. Okay. So. When you're talking about like it's hard marketing and that I'm like, yeah, I remember those meetings sitting down with like our marketing director and to be like, man, how are we going to like market like this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And there's so much regulation and there's a lot of good being done. But when you enter that industry, you also learn about there's a lot of underlying things that no one talks about and no one sees. Until you get into it, you wouldn't. I don't think you'd know about it. About some big companies that we will not mention for other reasons.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to get deported. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Danny, I want to be conscious of our time today, so I've just got two more questions for you. Uh, this is a question I recently added to the podcast, but I really like it, and everyone seems to enjoy it. So, looking back at your career, your, your mental health journey, all the work that you've done, what would you say is either your proudest moment, or what are you most proud of for yourself?
1: Oh, that's a tricky one, isn't it um i'm I'm just proud to still be standing like I know that kind of sounds a little bit cliche, but I shouldn't be, and I am, and I think having transformed what I've been through into what my future's going to be, like that is an epic achievement i mean it's you know it's daily progress, and sometimes it takes more energy than other days <laughs> to be able to kind of keep on that track but i've got to kind of just be realistic like there isn't i've achieved so much like so so much so there wouldn't be one thing that i could kind of i could really hang my hat on apart from just still still keep doing it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and my relentless nature for keeping doing it yeah um
0: but i think that's something they should be proud of like uh, making making those transformations is the hardest part i always think that your biggest obstacle in your life is yourself that that other side of you that the got voice in the back of your head that says like you're bad you can't do this so to make that guy like just relax and like to put him away sometimes and to make that voice a little quieter that's not easy that takes a lot of work so you should be proud and congratulations (laughs) and uh, for my last question uh danny that i ask all my guests is what is the message you'd like people to take home with them today
1: I wasn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> so I think that it's um, it's about not just taking. It's funny because I was talking to this um, in a session just today, but not looking at life as one big runway, but like the baby steps that you can take. So even we were talking today, it was a session about 2021, and people like just so overwhelmed to think it was a whole another year to come, and you just got to take. It's not even like each month at a time or each week at a time or each day at a time sometimes it's each hour at a time and if you can kind of break it down into those little small digestible chunks and just get through the next hour and just get through the next hour or even next minute if you're in that zone sometimes like if you're having a panic attack or if you're (laughs) kind of really against the odds like just go for the minutes so yeah breaking things down into like really easy steps and having compassion for yourself along the way like, there's just, I think, not enough of it out there, especially that we give ourselves in order to just be like, you know, you, you're you doing okay. Yeah. You're doing
0: okay. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful message, and I really resonate with that, especially the part about <clears throat> being more compassionate to yourself. You know, there's that famous thing that people always say, Treat yourself like you treat your best friend. You would never, no matter how much your best friend messed up, you're gonna, you might be harsh, but you're never gonna say what you would say to yourself. And that, and I always stick, that always sticks with me. But again, it is not the easiest thing to do, but it takes time and you get better at it. And also breaking things down into much more, like simpler things just gives you that, that's how that momentum builds, that's how the motivation builds instead of like looking at where you wanna be in like a year, two years. And it's like 20 million things that you have to do. So yeah, no, I totally agree with that uh Danny, thank you so much for your time today and for coming thanks. on the show i've been really looking forward to this and i love this conversation uh this is an area i'm passionate about and you are too so these are always fun conversations for me and just yeah thank you so much for coming
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: <laughs> my pleasure anytime guys to everyone listening thank you so much for listening and as always hope it helps peace <laughs>